Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Come from Malkainu to feed. 
אני אלוף העולם בלא להיות, בלא לפתור לך את הבעיות, אפילו התמונות שבקירות. זה לא אני תליתי, אני אחראי רק על המנגינות. אני אלוף העולם, בלי פה ולקום, כמו גדול, אדירי, כמו זכור, אני נשרף אבל בוחר בכל יום להמשיך לחיות. אני אלוף העולם, בלרצות, לפחות, לנסות, אדירי. איך בסוף, אחרי ההפסדים, הניצחון הרבה יותר מתוק, אני אלוף העולם. אני אלוף העולם בלהצדיק חולשות ותאוות, היצר הוא מכר ותיק, מכיר כל טריק עתיק שהוא מחזיק בתיק. אבל תראי, יום אחד אהיה צדיק. עמוק בפנים כל מה שיש לי לא מספיק. בעליל, אני עכבר קטן והחיים חליל. נופל הבור כי לא מצליח להבדיל בין טוב לרע, 
ולאן כל זה מוביל? את משדרת עסקים כרגיל. אבל תכף ייגמר לנו הפתיל, אני אלוף העולם. בליבור ולקור כמו גדול, אל תראי כמו הבחור. אני נשרף אבל בוחר בכל יום להמשיך לחיות, אני אלוף העולם בלרצות לפחות. לפצות, להתנצל ולרצות, לחטוא, להתנקות, לחשוף, להתכסות. תגידי איך כותבים שירים עם אלף ציפיות, מיליוני צפיות. אני אלוף העולם, בליפול ולקום, כמו גדול, אל תראי. כמו אופחול, אני נשרף אבל בוחר בכל יום להמשיך לחיות, אני אלוף העולם. אוי בסיין בורנו, בסיין בורנו יצאת אוי, ליום נכון, ליום נכון,
My steps are out of sync when my feet can't find their rhythm and I don't know what to think. Simple words have lost their meaning and my broken heart can't be. It's in these silent moments I feel you next to me saying face the challenge, stare it down, take the plunge, feet off the ground, breathing deep till again your head's above water. No anchor can hold you down, say with me now again. Live your one life, mit Dabren. And when your silent faith begins to fade, live a little louder, a little louder, a little louder, live a little louder. Crashing of the ocean, the falling of the rain. Traveling in the breeze from children as they play. The harmonies that fall between the notes we cannot hear. The sound of life surrounding you, a size that he is near. So face the challenge, steer it down. Take the plunge, feet off the ground. Breathing deep till again your head's above water. No anchor can hold. Goodness, goodwill, God heals. Every type of suffering, that's how I fell in love with him. Seen a lot of pain in life, I am still recovering. I'm giving all I have to give, I finish when there's nothing left. I live life with the fire burning in my chest. I'm drawing down the light a little, make it louder, won't progress. True joy is revealed or concealed in the actions you're making. You should learn patience. Live life every day with a smile and good energy. Because it's the way to victory. Face the challenge, stare it down. Take the plunge, feet off the ground. Breathing deep till again your head's above water. No anchor can hold you down. Stay with me now again. Live your one life, McDobbin. When your silent fate begins to fade. Face the challenge, stare it down. Take the plunge, feet off the ground. Breathing deep till again your head's above water. No anchor can J.M. and the A.M. Brand new eighth day with Nisim Black. Uh, song is called Little Louder here on a J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning broadcast. Before that, the Yosef Chaim selection, Visein. You heard uh, Aluf Haulam, Dan Hanan Ben Ari. Gershon Verobo with Mimkomcha and Lachado D back-to-back. 
Tzadim, done by Akiva, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. You know how amazing Fridays are here at JM in the AM and the Malcolm Single Network. It is Friday, June the 9th, day number 20 in the month of Sivan. The year is 5783, Tufshin Pei Gimel. Candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos, 8.06. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach in Israel and Erev Shabbos Parsha's Baaloscha outside of Israel. I, I got to do that. After yesterday's conversation with Rabbi Heber, I've got to do that. I have no choice. So in Israel, our brothers and sisters are in the midst of the week of Shlach. In the diaspora, we are reading Baaloscha tomorrow. So if someone gets up tomorrow to read the Torah, you know, in, in this area, for instance, and they start reading Baaloscha, don't shout out you're reading the wrong Parsha. You know, don't, uh, you don't want to do that because in the diaspora, that would be the Parsha that would be correct for this week. So that's Parsha's Baaloscha. And again, in New York, candle lighting is 8.06. Make sure you know when things start where you are. A lot of synagogues begin much earlier than that. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Welcome to a JM and the AM Friday. You know what's happening here. Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin will both be speaking about this week's Torah portion. Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's, of course, slated to join us coming up. Uh, that'll be at um, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Malcolm Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Let us know what you have to say on this Friday morning broadcast. And uh, stay with us all day long because we have incredible programming all day long today. That I can tell you. We'll run through the whole schedule. It will include Mark Zomik and the Arab Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. The Arab Shabbos music mix all day long. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour coming up at about 7 p.m. Eastern time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And we're talking about an amazing um, array of great programming and a wonderful way to go into Shabbos. You need a soundtrack for Erev Shabbos. That's us. We are your soundtrack for Erev Shabbos here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, I, I want to I um, extend a mazel tov. Yesterday I had the opportunity to be up at the Kosher Hive. The Kosher Hive is a brand new supermarket, beautiful, up in the Airmont section of Muncie, New York. And um, I want to uh, wish congratulations, Mazal Tov and Hatzlacharaba, uh, to everybody, to the owners, the managers, staff members, everybody who has um, brought yet another amazing kosher experience to a uh, massive Jewish neighborhood. In this case, the Ehrman section up in uh, in Muncie, New York. The uh, again, the brand new kosher hive. You can look it up online. Let me give you the official address. Is it thekosherhive.com? Uh, yeah, the kosherhive.com, the kosherhive.com. So again, Hatzlacharaba, and uh, I had an opportunity to stop by there for a few minutes yesterday to wish Mazal Tov to everybody and um, wishing them the best of luck in this new venture. It's sort of like a soft opening now. Yesterday was the start of their soft opening, and they'll gradually, of course, get to the point where they are full-fledged and uh, by their standards, completely uh, operational. So, again, Hatzlacharaba to everybody up there. Um, And there you have it. Air quality in New York, not bad. Not bad this morning. When I I walked out of my my building this morning, 
Uh, it seemed almost like a regular day. I hope it's going to be like that today. For those of you not familiar with what's been happening in the eastern part of the United States, we have been uh, suffering from poor air quality because of the uh, uh, the wildfires up in Canada. And um, I think it improved a drop yesterday compared to Wednesday. And this, and this morning, like I say, does seem even better. So hopefully this is behind us. Who knows? Maybe you could... Uh, return if the wind goes in a certain direction i have no idea how it works but wherever the case is hopefully it'll be a, a much easier shabbos uh, for everybody to breathe and enjoy the outdoors <laughs> let's hope more coming up you're listening to jm in the a.m Shabbat kasfa nafshi Kiva shabos etzeh hofshi Kivo yoy menuchosi Yom rishon be'at shishi Ikrat shabbat kasfa nafshi Kiva shabos etzeh hofshi
Simcha, I gotta have Simcha. I gotta have Simcha. 
This is the nigga that I sing. That I sing at my bar mitzvah. And uh, ever since then, it's the song my father and I sing together often. But this is no exception. I want everybody singing together when we start. All right? On this side, I can't hear you. Let's go. 
depths of my heart I know that your love is a constant flow I see and will always be JM in the AM with Danny Palgon wrapping up the hour with Mayim Rabim here at JM in the AM. Surly uh, Green before that with Me'ain Olam Haba. Ain Arach done by Eitan Katz with his father on Live in Jerusalem, volume number three. Isaac and Rubenstein had better with you. Simcha done by Lenny Solomon. And Toa Mea, brand new from Eli Herzlick. That's a, that's a good Arab Shabbos selection. So I'm uh, uh, here at JM and the AM. Friday morning broadcast. Thanks for tuning in. Candle lighting at 8.06 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Remember, a lot of places begin much, much earlier than that uh, because people like to um, start Shabbos early this time of year. So, again, make sure you know when things start where you are and get ready for an Erev Shabbos Parshas Baha in the diaspora. After my conversation yesterday with Rabbi Heber, which I'm strongly suggesting to anybody who loves calendaric trivia, Check out the archive at uh, NahumSiegel.com and, of course, on the NSN app. Um, the, um, what was I just saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Baloscha, the diaspora. And it's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach in Israel. And again, I have to emphasize that based on the conversation that we had yesterday with Rabbi Heber on the air. If you missed it, it's a great calendaric Jewish trivia uh, conversation. Check out the archive, NahumSiegel.com, and of course, the NSN app. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, NahumSiegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Malcolm Holmline, 40 minutes from now with a weekly update here at JM and the AM. We'll have that for you. Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin on the uh, weekly Parsha. That's also coming up. In both the 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock hours. So we've got plenty happening here on a Friday morning broadcast. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMDM. Galitzal, Ashash Time. Shalom Rav, Baulpan, Gainovotni, in Mashakor Yachav. עוסק בשיפור המכשול באזור הר דוב על מנת לייצר בהירות טקטית שתמנע הסלמה בהמשך. בנוגע לכיוון הנשקים של צבא לבנון לעבר כוחותינו הוסיף, זה לא חריג, זו הדרך שלהם להפגין עוצמה בלבנון כדי להראות רלוונטיות. במקביל לאירוע מבוצע שיח בערוצי הקישור מול הגורמים הרלוונטיים. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון, דורון קדוש. 
תאונות הדרכים, שני בני אדם נפצעו בינוני וקל בתאונה בין שלושה כלי רכב בכביש אחת במחלף קיבוץ גלויות לכיוון תל אביב. צוות מד"א פינה אותם לקבלת טיפול רפואי בבית החולים איכילוב בתל אביב. בכביש 91, סמוך לקדמת צבי שברמת הגולן, נפצעו בתאונה ארבעה בני אדם בינוני וקל. הם הועברו לקבלת טיפול בבית החולים זיו בצפת. לוחמי יס"מ של המשטרה עצרו היום חשוד בסחר בסמים בדרום תל אביב, שברשותו 86 מנות סם מסוג הרואין ו-2,000 שקלים במזומן. החשוד, בן 36, תושב בני ברק, ניסה להימלט ולהעלים ראיות, אך נתפס והועבר לחקירה במשטרה. בשעה זו נערכת מסיבת הגאווה המרכזית בגני יהושע בתל אביב בהשתתפות עשרות אומנים, מספר כבישים ורחובות בעיר חסומים לתנועה, עם הפרטים, כתבתנו בתל אביב, אנה פינס. מאות שוטרים פרוסים כבר משעות הבוקר המוקדמות סביב פארק גני יהושע, לקראת מסיבת הגאווה של תל אביב שתתחיל בשעה זו. על הבמה צפויים לעלות במהלך הצהריים עשרות אומנים ומופעים. המשטרה חסמה לתנועה את הירידה לאיילון צפונה במחלף רוקח, ואת הירידה הסמוך לרחוב אייזיק רמבה בעיר. כמו גם את שדרות רוקח מזרחה ורחובות נוספים בצפון העיר. שחקן העונה ומלך השערים בליגת העל בכדורגל עומר אצילי עבר רשמית לקבוצת אל-עין מאיחוד האמירויות. זאת לאחר שהמועדון הודיע שהושג סיכום עם מכבי חיפה. אצילי יהפוך בכך לשחקן היהודי-ישראלי הראשון שישחק בליגה של איחוד האמירויות. והוא אף עשוי לשתף פעולה עם שחקן נבחרת איראן, מוחמד מוהבי, שנמצא על סף סיכום עם סגנית האלופה. מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, היום חם מהרגיל עד שרבי, צפויים גשמים מקומיים ותיתכן אסופות רעמים, חשש קל משיטפונות בנחלי המזרח והדרום, במהלך היום יחדור לאזורנו אוויר קרי יותר ולח, הרוחות תתחזקנה וייתכן אובך, בשבת הטמפרטורות תרדנה במידה ניכרת ותחזורנה להיות רגילות לעונה. אלה החדשות.
J.M. and the A.M. Hey, 
croak from uh, Shlomo Katz. Adon Alam, Isaac, and Rubenstein before that to open up the hour. Hour number two, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach in the diaspora where we are is Erev Shabbos Parsha's Baaloscha. Yeah, you don't want to get caught tomorrow accusing somebody of reading the wrong Parsha. Shlach in Israel, Baaloscha everywhere else. This comes to an end. This whole system comes to an end. What did we say? July 1st? I think we said July 1st. Yeah, on July 1st, we will read um, Chukas Balak, and in Israel, they'll only read Balak. And thank you to my niece, uh, Tikva, we discovered that uh, Chukas Balak is never combined in Israel, which I never knew. Um, anyway. So that's a story with that. So a few more weeks of being off kilter partial wise with our brothers and sisters in Israel. 8.06 is official candlelighting time in New York. 8.06, official candlelighting time in New York. Uh, make sure you know when things start where you are. Also, a lot of synagogues begin much earlier than regular candlelighting time. So again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Ralph, our chairman... Ask Susan in the studio with me. Well, no one's here yet. We are expecting a guest later on, but no one's here yet. Someone is answering your questions. Maybe, maybe, maybe I just tossed out a question at random, and it sounded like somebody was providing an answer. Chances are I provided the answer, <laughs> the way things work in radio. Harry Rothenberg's um, Dvar, Dvar Torah, his uh, discussion regarding Parshas Baaloscha follows next. It is uh, being presented um, with a... Um, Rafur Shlema to Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Baloscha. Again, um, in honor of a uh, complete Rafur Shlema, speedy recovery to Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. A dear friend who continues to progress, please God. And we are rooting for her very, very hard. Um, uh, here is Harry Rothenberg on JM in the AM. If you look in the middle of chapter 9, beginning at verse 15 in this week's Parsha, you see something very interesting. We're told multiple times that the children of Israel journeyed through the Word of God and encamped through the Word of God. And we get multiple examples of the cloud lifting and rising and they followed it and then they'd camp and then the next morning the cloud would move and they'd move again. Or sometimes the cloud would move at night and they'd travel at night. And other times the cloud would stay rooted in its place and they'd be somewhere for a while, weeks, months, even a year. Wild repetition. Just tell us, when the cloud would move, they would move. When the cloud would stop, they would stop. They encamped and they traveled through the Word of God. One commentator explains that this repetition is meant to teach us that all of their journeys and all of their stops and all of our journeys and our stops are through the Word of God. When you are cruising through life in the fast lane and everything's going well, that's through God. And when you are at times stuck in neutral or in park or worse, in reverse, that's also from God. About a year ago, I called a friend with a random question on a Friday afternoon, and he answers the phone. He says, Harry, thank you so much for calling. By any chance, do you know anyone in? And he named some random city. I said, what's going on? He said, we were flying home. There was bad weather we were circling. Captain announced we're low on fuel. We have to find another airport. We just landed in this other airport. I'm here with my wife. We might get stuck here. I don't know anybody in this city. I said, guess what? I have a friend there. I'm going to text you his name and number. And I reached out to that friend, told him to look out for the call. Sure enough. 
He and his wife did get stuck there and they spent Shabbos at my other friend's home. Think about it. My friend and his wife got off that plane in a random foreign city where they knew no one and they did not have one minute worth of uncertainty because God arranged it that I would call the one guy my friend knew who had a friend in that city. God takes care of us on our journeys, but he also takes care of us and he's also behind our stops. Sometimes there's traffic, sometimes there is some unexpected delay. And that's also from God, and it was supposed to happen. But there's more. Another commentator explains that this was a lesson for them, and a lesson for their children, and a lesson for us. There were times in the wilderness that they arrived somewhere, and they stopped when the clouds stopped, and they unpacked, and they relaxed, they exhaled, and the next morning, you've got to be kidding me. The cloud is moving, we've got to move, yes. And without complaint, they moved. And other times, the cloud would move at night and they had to travel with their belongings and their children. Very difficult journey. No complaints. They would travel at night. And other times, they'd be somewhere a really long time, like we're ready to go. Maybe the cloud can move, but the cloud wasn't moving. And they didn't complain because they understood that sometimes in life, you want to go somewhere, you want to move, and you know it's not the right thing for you spiritually. You know God's saying, no, you stay right where you are. You should stay there, and the people there need you to stay there. And there are other times when you want to stay, and you know the right thing to do is for you to move, and God's saying, you got to get out of Dodge. You've got to go. All of our journeys and all of our stops, our encampments, should always be for God through the Word of God. Oh 
Uh, JM in the AM. That's the uh, Malachi Shalom selection done by um, Shalom Berenholtz. Before that, the Maccabees with uh, both Dror Yikra and Aishas Chayel. You heard the Moshav band in there with Vishamru, and you're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos broadcast here of a JM in the AM. Well, it's the month of June, and that's a, a month where we celebrate dads and grads. And I have added another component to this month of June. The fathers out there are waiting for Father's Day next week. The graduates are uh, dominating the month. There seems to be graduations going on practically every night this month. And uh, I'm going to add grilling to the, <laughs> to the repertoire of the month of June. Dads grads and grilling and our friends at A&H Abel's and Hyman have the most incredible and delicious knockwurst hot dogs sausage that you could toss on the grill and enjoy with full flavor gigantic you toss them into a hot dog bun there's barely room in that bun that's how large those uh, hot dogs and knockwurst are uh so go to uh, the website kosherdogs.net take a 10 percent discount with promo code radio but go to your supermarket and your kosher supermarkets and you'll see amazing displays of all delicious A&H products whether it be stuff you could grill or uh, or other types of meat as well. All happening now in your local store. A&H, check it out today. You'll love it. Um, and trust me, this is a an area of life I'm very, very familiar with. <laughs> uh, Malcolm Homeline weekly update coming up just a few minutes from now. Or by you to the next hour, of course. We might have a special guest in studio later on this morning which would be amazing we'll see what happens with that feel free to comment on the app go to the nsn now home single network app for android and iphone and comment away um z stein says our music is very shabbistic and labadic this morning i appreciate that brand new ellie marcus jm in the a.m
Shalom 
מסוירס בידינו, שהבעל שם תאיבו יונוי נאי בכל Freed a song entitled Boker Tov Ribonusholom. Brand new one from Avram Freed here at JM in the AM. Sua Rose with Hoshienu. You heard uh, the Yedidim Choir and Menucha Vesimcha. Actually, that was Yedidya Mayor. Yedidya Mayor with Menucha Vesimcha. Malachi Elion done by Eli Marcus. Here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Candle lighting time at 8.06 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Baloscha in, uh, in the diaspora at Shlach in Israel. Uh, after yesterday's conversation with Rabbi Heber on the topic of uh, the discrepancy between Israel and the diaspora regarding uh, Parshios, I'm very careful, at least this week, to say both of them. <laughs> uh, don't forget our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com. If you're looking for thousands of articles before Shabbos to print out and learn more and more about this amazing world of ours, go to jewishworldreview.com and enjoy. Again, candle lighting at 8.06 on this Erev Shabbos broadcast. Malcolm Honline is, exe- is Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. With us with the weekly update here at JM the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. After a very eventful week, it's good to be back with you. Oh, it's an eventful week is right, and there's some really important stories we have to get to, but two things before we get to what I believe are even more important. Uh, first of all, the I mean, you know, thank God so many people, including all of us, were at the uh, Celebrate Israel Parade. I, uh, you know, as, as probably the person who has experienced the most regarding American Jewish leadership vis-a-vis Israel, I, I just have to ask you, your impressions, opinion of politics entering into the parade. I get it. There was no real disruption of the parade. But you know that last weekend was, in fact, filled with reaction of uh, of Americans, 
some Jewish, I assume, I assume some not, um, uh, toward members of Knesset who were visiting from Israel at the parade itself, of course. Again, I'm, I'll give credit to the groups that did not disrupt the parade, but certainly made their presence known in terms of their feelings regarding the current Israeli government. Um, is this unprecedented, or you've seen it many times before, where these types of demonstrations on behalf of Israel include lots of politics and conflicts? We've certainly seen it before. It's time to discuss the disengagement and many other times when the feelings were very high and um, people uh, came, used the parade as a vehicle to express their points of view. But it is the one time a year when people of all stripes, including many non-Jews, come together in support of Israel. And I think anything that disrupts that, and especially bringing domestic Israeli politics uh, into it, is something that has to be very carefully weighed and considered. I have to say that they did not, there was a lot of concern that they would be disruptive and sit down and do other things. I think there was a lot of preparatory work to prevent that from happening. But still, the story that came out from this incredible event is the the the, the protests, the um, media jumps on it, of course, because that's what make it, it makes it interesting, true of any ethnic uh, event uh, when you have differing parties. But I think people have to think about when when is it appropriate or not. I think they have a right to come and express their views. And, you know, American Jews should think very carefully about um, expressing it because then you invite political leaders. And we saw even the White House weighing in on it uh, this week um, that, that you have to think about what are the implications and the consequences of the work in terms of maintaining the unity of support, bipartisan support. There's nothing, I think, um, to be ashamed of when there are differences of views in a democracy. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that there, that Israel tolerates all different views and you can have demonstrations going on for dozens of weeks. But uh, I, I am always hesitant when, when those internal issues are brought here. Though again, people have a right to express themselves. Malcolm, I, 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 I just got to get your impression of the following. Uh, if, in fact, the expectation is that uh, ideally, ideally, obviously it's not a reality, but ideally, let's say the expectation is that American jury at all costs should be supporting Israel, whatever that means. But certainly from your position, I'm sure you've always encouraged that, that the default should be, you know, support of Israel. Uh, how, how, what is the expectation from American jury when, in fact, they disagree with policies in Israel. If our default should be, and again, I know it's not reality, but when that's our default, that we need to express support and be there for Israel, how should uh, items like uh, or issues that American jury or groups of American Jews might disagree with with the Israeli government be handled? Look, democracy is messy. Nobody says you know that it's an easy uh system, you know, when you have a dictatorship and everybody follows one set of rules or views or are free to express those one set of views, sometimes it's easier, but not healthier in the long run. So I, I am not afraid of having dissent and having a variety of views expressed as long as people do it in responsible ways and, and think about the consequences and how much of the energy that is dissipated 
in conducting that as as opposed to balancing it by positive support and expressions of support at a time when Israel or at any time with Israel, but especially when we see the um, some of the threats that Israel faces, as well as the rise of anti-Semitism right. and how this United community becomes more vulnerable to those who want to do us harm. Well said. I'll move on in a second. I just want to say that uh, you would agree that this past weekend there were some who handled the issues responsibly and some who handled them irresponsibly. Would that be a good summary? I think that that's fair, I think. But by and large, the demonstrations uh, did not mount to what uh, was concerned. I think that, that um, w- you know, we have uh, when you have tens of thousands of people and you're bound to have differences of view. But, he, but the demonstrators carried Israeli flags. That's right. That's right. They didn't burn them. Right. And I came to the uh, Sheva conference to speak and outside there were several hundred people. They had Israeli flags. They yelled at people not to go in, but they did not. There was no disruptive activity uh, per se, you know, threatening activity. The the uh, demonstration actually looked like a pro-Israel demonstration for anybody. Came by. In fact, in, in fact, in fact, it was funny because there are people that I know who posted photos of that part of the parade, and I know they completely disagree with the politics of that group. But the group happened to have looked very good in blue and white and carrying the flag. So you're 100 right about that, and that positive has to be emphasized. I don't want people to think that I'm always negative when it comes to these things. I do admire those who are considering behaving in a in a much more inappropriate manner, who really handled it in what could be considered to be a proper manner as you just described all right i got called out last week by multiple listeners because there was a news item i skipped last week and they were very anxious to hear your reaction to it uh the behavior of roger waters in a public forum uh this time in germany uh and and really your impressions of his outrageous antics and what the reaction should be from german authorities and really from people around the world well, I think everybody knows uh, how we feel about him. We have discussed him in the past. It's a shame to have to waste time on him, but uh, it you know it has become a major issue, and it's not just limited to Germany now. Now, other countries where he is appearing or venues where he's appearing become the subject of of uh, protests and people saying what, that he should not be hosted. To go to Germany, put on a leather outfit with crossed hammers, which was meant to symbolize, we believe, or it has been alleged, uh, the swastika or the Nazi, uh, the SS symbols. Um, and he, his provocative actions, this is not somebody who misspoke or who you know, didn't know what they were saying, as sometimes does happen. This is deliberate, sustained, hateful message that he promulgates. Uh, I like the fact that he's under investigation now in Germany for it. I think they should not have allowed him to perform. It's not because of free speech. It's because it's hate speech. And uh, I think, you know, when he comes here, I hope that people of all kinds will will make known their views and that we will not continue to tolerate the haters and those who incite and those who who violate every standard. And he clearly does. This is... um, you know, the, there are investigations, as I said, they don't check. They that in and of itself is a good thing. But 
unfortunately, too often they don't lead to any kind of consequence. Um, but in the more orders case, I, I think that they did. And the fact that a lot of people protested and yet others came and listened to him and paid for tickets. For I wonder if he's uh, coming to the United States anytime soon. That would be a golden opportunity for people in the world of entertainment and government uh, to at least make public statements and to make their opinions known regarding this issue. All right, let's move to Israel. Uh, this uh, What happened last weekend, a terrible disaster with the three Israeli soldiers killed. What could you tell us about um, the what, what is being portrayed as a lack of security on the Egyptian-Israeli border? And in, in addition to that, uh, um, you know, th- this uh, this guard, this border guard who's responsible for uh, murdering three Israeli soldiers. I mean, affili- again, lone wolf or affiliated with some larger group. So, you know, it's a it's a more complicated case than many where they try to excuse it as a lone operative. And when it comes to the border of Egypt, the Egyptian government has is cooperating with Israel fully. They've. Um, you know, disclosed all the information that Israel wanted. The investigation is being done jointly across both sides. Netanyahu and President Sisi of Egypt have talked. And this guy, it appears, did not just do it on the spur of the moment. It looks like it was premeditated. He, he had to know all of the, the routes where he went and right. he walked, I think, a kilometer and a half and went through a gate that is used by Israeli forces, but it was held by those ties, the plastic ties. So I think that they learned some lessons about having to beef up some of the security along the border because, you know, it's a long border. It's generally very quiet. There are drug dealers, especially Bedouin who smuggle stuff from both sides of the border. And the the two soldiers who were there stationed there, I'm sure, you know, most of the time just have to stare out along a very quiet border. Uh, it's it's a, such a tragedy that these two young people and then a third soldier later was killed. Uh, I believe that there are no real lone wolves completely. It's not somebody who just snaps at a second, or very rarely, I should say, right. and conducts an act. There's somebody who influences them. There's a, it could be in a mosque. It could be in, in a movie. It could be anything that uh, incites somebody to, to carry out this kind of horrific act. In the end, to to do to die doing it, uh, and you know there is the drug smuggling that is a legitimate uh, issue, and you know more has to be done to secure the border. Though, as you know, Israel has invested very heavily uh, to protect the border, the crossings to Gaza, the um, this very high t- uh, technology. Uh, uh, wall that they have, which I have, and I've seen the inside of it. It's really amazing, but it's a very long border to try to put up something like that across the whole thing. Yeah, it's uh, we always think and we know, and you've seen it as you've just described. Uh, you know the, the extent that Israel goes to secure every border and to really secure every checkpoint and every crossing. I mean, uh, my God, if you analyze how much Israel has made sure to quote unquote isolate its, itself security wise, and they've had no choice, of course, it's just a mammoth operation. I mean, this uh, as you described this past weekend, you know, I guess reminds Israeli authorities and the army that you know there's there are certain weak points and certainly when there is a quiet border when there's a quiet area you know you know what happens everyone gets lulled into a sense of security and obviously the guard is let down a drop so i think all of that combined led to this tragedy 
Yes. Um, so the United States, I, I mean, I've been fascinated by this whole thing because, as you know, every time the United States and Saudi Arabia, when that topic comes up, I emphasize how Saudi Arabia seems to always get you know, to the goal line but can never get over the goal line. With the Blinken trip this week, is there anything we can add uh, to the current impression of U.S.-Saudi Arabia relations? So there's clearly a lot of tension in the relationship that we've discussed uh, many times and I've warned about it because it was not something that just happened. It's a cumulative thing, the, the uh, weaponizing the energy as the crown prince has, uh, oil going over $70 a barrel for the first time in a long time, and the um, actions of the UAE pulling out of the naval cooperation. A lot of that has to do with frustration that the United States appears not to put the resources into the region, into the Gulf, when the Iranians seize boats, uh, ships, and now in the last time the United States did send uh, two of our Navy craft and they took back the boats, and but others were, were taken. And I think for Saudi Arabia, the, there's, um, they're sending messages and at the one hand, they received U.S. officials, and the, he had very extensive discussions uh, there. But clearly, there are, are real tensions. Saudi Arabia knows that their future does not lie with China or Russia, and certainly not with Iran. And even though Iran did open its embassy in Saudi Arabia this week, uh, I think that you know all the fundamental tensions remain, and Iran is not... Uh, has taken some steps, but not what uh, Saudi Arabia hoped for in terms of, of the uh, war being conducted by Yemen and the attacks against uh, Saudi Arabia. But I think that every country pursues its own interests. They, there is a process of reevaluation, and he clearly has a policy of uh, universal connection, meaning that he will wants to diversify from just being tied to the United States to relationships beyond that. And that's why you see these countries going to the BRICS conferences. That's why you see the, the uh, Shanghai Cooperation Council broadening its membership. People are hedging their bets. And because I think they, they feel, and the United States does have limited resources in, in the Fifth Fleet and in, uh, in uh, interdictions, interdictions of uh, the Iranians in South America uh, and and countering the growing Iranian influence there that we've talked about as they take over our continent. Uh, there are, you know, and I understand we have a limited basis, but Iran now has these floating terror bases, you know, where they put on ships, the missiles, the planes and other things like aircraft carriers, but really I would say floating bases um, off the coasts uh, in, in the Gulf and then near the Straits of Hormuz to which more than 20% of, of, the West energy, American energy, flows every day. So these are all very significant. And we have to look at this in terms of the long-term uh, implications, the messages uh, that are, are being sent. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSiegel.com, and the AlchemSiegel Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference Presidents, major American Jewish organizations. Well, I certainly agree with that. Um, but, but there's one other factor, and, um, and and I wonder if I'm right. 
there's really only one thing the United States has over Saudi Arabia, and that's security from Iran, right? I mean, it's not a money issue. They're not looking for, for business deals at the moment, right? I mean, really, all that the United States can offer, and the only thing that they can hold over their head, so to speak, is that they're going to have their back when Iran starts up, and they are in no position to believe that at the moment the U.S. is ready to make good on that commitment. Well, I think there is much more um, in terms of the long-term vision for Saudi Arabia, uh, and I think the Crown Prince has a long-term vision. Uh, I think American technology, American investment, American cooperation are important and things that he wants to see, especially as he builds that, or when he builds the new city that, that he has in mind in Naom. Uh, he also wants to see Israeli technology. He, he told it to me and has this vision, you know, the cooperation. But, um, you know, he has internal constituencies he has to satisfy. He has external concerns that they have to to take note of. And and I think that they want to be treated with respect. And most of all, I think countries want to get see the message. And, it, and as I said, it's reflected in right. the decision of the UAE as well. But that, is that the that difference? Yeah, is that the difference? By the way, that the UAE, you know, um, uh, inside that inside the UAE, the average people are, you know, uh, are, are ready to back the Abraham Accords and ready to make the priority, you know, business with the United States, technology, you know, business interests with Israel, etc. And Saudi Arabia does not have the people within its country that that thinks that way at the moment. So it is a factor, but one, the UAE, the majority still are are hesitant. And even though the people are very respectful and Israelis, American Jews, others, you can walk with the Amaka in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, many Saudis also reflect friendship and there are Saudis who visit Israel. It's very clandestine and, and limited. But remember, when you've had all these years of indoctrination, it's hard to root it out. But they have changed their textbooks. So did the UAE. So did Egypt. Uh, they hold uh, Holocaust events. There are things that things have changed. And, uh, you know, I've witnessed it over the years, the, the, mm. the difference between what was and what is. But you, you uh, the the. Uh, UAE population, remember that only about 10 or 12% are Emiratis. The rest are all foreign workers and guests mm-hmm. who are not, in, who have not shifted their views. But, but and even amongst the, the native populations in all the Arab countries, the polls still show that a very significant percentage have hostility towards Israel. And uh, the Palestinian issue could be even in Morocco. Uh, where you see the the exploding relationships this right. week, the the speaker of the Knesset was there, the head of the National Security Council was there. There there the are remarkable changes. There's but got it's not you can flip overnight. There's got to be an educational component, also. I mean, I, I just have to assume that the people who are living in the UAE, as you describe their backgrounds, and even the Moroccans, I, I just have to assume that they're more highly educated. And, uh, and and certainly more open to you know to <laughs> to new ideas than your Mahmoud Abbas's PA constituents. You know we I, we all, we sit sometimes sit here and say, don't they realize that if they would just behave like the people in the UAE, they could have all of this, all this prosperity, this relationship with Israel and the United States, and advance their country and do great things for their citizens. But I don't know if their Hamonam you know gets that, or is it a level time to even understand it? The, the um, I think that there are many. Palestinians who would want uh, to have a, 
a different uh, relationship, a different life for themselves above all. Maybe it's not so much, you know, ready for love for Israel, but for their own families and their, their concerns. They don't trust their own government. 70 percent, 80 percent want him out. They they and, and many say that they, you know, still favor a two state solution, though it is diminishing all the time. And all the polls uh, show that uh, the. Um, you know, we see the weapon smuggling, we see the infiltration, the, the increasing role of Pidge and Hamas in the West Bank and in uh, incitement. Uh, this is going to continue. And Iran obviously plays a, a big role in it. If yeah. the Syrian border, Syrian internal situation becomes quieter and settles down, then they will be also be able to turn their attention more towards their own borders and external things. All of these things, it's, you know, these are all pieces of one puzzle and you can't just separate out one thing, but I think you're right. Many of them know what they want. Look how many of them go to the hospitals in Israel, go to universities in Israel, and take advantage of it, even though in their heart of hearts, who knows? Yeah, they most likely would love to avoid it. By the way, does does a business deal, does a merger like Live PGA, you're talking about billions of dollars, and obviously it's U.S. Saudi. You know, I, I get it; these are private entities, but you get my point. We're talking about you know entity, major entities in both countries conducting a massive business deal. Does this help the whole U.S. Saudi effort, or it's basically irrelevant? Oh no, it's very relevant. Every time you have uh, more interaction, especially something that is on a mass scale. And many Americans, you know, watch the the Grand Tour and and uh, the the and golf is very much associated with the United States. Right. Uh, I think it clearly has a role. There will be people who don't like it, and you hear it on the talk shows. Uh, many people calling in, resenting uh, the vomit, still holding Saudi Arabia accountable for 9/11 or for other things, terrorism. Uh, I think that uh, overall, economically, it's certainly going to give them a big boost and, and not having them as competitive entities will facilitate for both of them, both sides. I wonder what goes through Iranian officials' minds when they see a deal like that. Like they must... They want- they want to get into the golf club business. No, but seriously, they must resent the whole thing because, first of all, you know they they they're assuming they have some type of partnership with Saudi Arabia. But I, I would only imagine that you know knowing that the uh, that this type of partnership, this type of association, is only going to do what you just described. They they must resent the whole thing. Well, maybe they look at it and they say, "Look, Saudi Arabia pulled it off. That Saudi Arabia, when it mm. started this, everybody." was right. against it and they used their money, their leverage. And now the, the the other side is capitulating and coming to them and merging with them. So I think they may see it as a humiliation of the West. All right. I hear that. And, uh, and meanwhile, the, um, uh, the, uh, we described last week, cause it was really last week's story when Iran, you know, seized the tankers and the UAE refused to participate, et cetera. I mean, they, they are going along their course completely, um, uh, without any concern about what anybody's saying about their activities. I mean, the way you described it, it goes all the way to South America and other parts of the world. Uh, at the moment, they really don't care what anybody thinks about them, right? Well, they do care because, the, you know, the country itself is going through an internal collapse. And if we were 
we step up the pressure. You know, there's a lot of talk about negotiations going on. I do not believe, as I said before here, that there's a new JCPOA, but there could be another deal, one that involves exchange of prisoners, um, and and that only incentivizes Iran. Right. Why? Why does Americans Why does Netanyahu think that there's a deal going on? He gives the impression the way he speaks as if it's happening behind closed doors now. Well, because there are discussions that are going on. But I, I don't think it's about a JCPOA. I do think that they can do uh, something else. And one of the things that would be of great concern is the release of the or permitting the release of the seven billion dollars being held by South Korea of Iranian money and ten billion dollars uh, that Iraq holds, even though the United States may not have full control over it. But till now, those monies have been restricted from Iran. They desperately want to get their hands on that money to, to help fund all of their terror activities, which don't diminish the food to the people diminishes. Yeah. The suffering of the people increases all the time. Uh, but look, we, we saw this week the IEA uh, investigations that two of them were not closed, but were uh, put on ice. These are This is information based from Israel, what Israel was able to garner about enriching uranium at different sites. Uh, we're not seeing the kind of concerted uh, effort. The United States does introduce new sanctions against people involved in illegal activities there. But the the stockpile of uranium has reached an all-time high, 114 kilograms, and enriched to 80-some percent. And now the deals they're talking about would bring him back to 60 percent. But originally the deal was they would be at 3.5 percent. You know, and so wow. they they gain each time at a higher level yep. uh, of what and and the people pay the price. The, the government doesn't because they control 40 percent of the economy. So all this illegal income coming from the selling of, of oil and and uh, helping Iran, uh, Russia bypass the sanctions from which they benefit uh, greatly all uh, uh, benefit. So Rossi, the head of the I, International Atomic Energy Agency this week, you know, uh, uh, criticized them and said they're not closing the inquiries. But all the time we hear that there are still discussions going on. I, I was told this week by very high American officials that, uh, you know, a lot of this is not so, that, that they're not uh, looking to make a new deal. They get it. I hope I think Congress would not uh, approve a new deal at this time. But the the um, we know that they have these underground missile factories, drone factories, but most of all, nuclear facilities. Right. Uh, and th these things will turn around the time that it will take them to make the weapons to weeks, not even months. Yeah. You know, that's what the free world is up against. And by the way, you know, we've been so critical of the mainstream media for ignoring most of this. But I have seen a couple of I'm sure you saw the piece in The New York Times last weekend there. They're, they are highlighting, the international media are highlighting some of the heroes that are, you know, really sacrificing their lives to try to get the message of freedom and independence for Iran, you know, across to the rest of the world. They highlighted the uh, the woman who's now sitting in prison. By the way, I, maybe that's something important to mention. It, it, it makes us uh, need to appreciate the freedom and independence we have because you see how people around the world, specifically in Iran now, are literally willing to give their lives just to promote the very same for their own people. And you look at the courageous things that the government of Azerbaijan hosted President Herzog with all the fanfare that would be given to a major head of state or head of government, head of state uh, in his case. Um, right. And, uh, you know, Iran blasts them and threatens them all the time over this. 
and yet they they engaged in that kind of a public uh, manifestations. We see Greece and Israel's air forces this week again engage in joint exercise. We see Israel with African and other countries in Morocco engaged in in joint exercises. That stuff doesn't make the news, and people don't talk about it. But it's it's uh, really amazing to see the the extent to which these things are, are taking place with. And, and the United Nations, you know, of course, is out there defending the one democracy in the Middle East when the World Health Organization this week condemned one country out of all the countries in the world, and that's Israel. They elect Iran to be a vice chairman of the General Assembly. They put him on the Committee on Disarmament. I mean, it's so outrageous and, and, and it's beyond even mocking because it, it's so crazy that when you look at the facts on the ground, there are activities all over the region and beyond in South America, uh, circumventing, navigating the world with those ships as a demonstration against the United States. The, the, it's, it makes it very hard to reconcile what, what rational people would be thinking and what we see. So Israel is stepping up its activities. You know that they, they tested a naval iron dome that's fitted to a SAR-5, and it works, and this is going to be a big help in protecting the uh, offshore rigs, the oil rigs and gas rigs, but more importantly, also uh, something that can be very helpful in, in the naval uh, uh, attempts by Iran. All right, two more things. Um, not, not, that I, not that I would prefer it this way, um, but are you, are you surprised even with, I mean, I know that they warn the families, etc. the home demolitions of terrorists in Israel, which is continuing. We've seen a couple of them, uh, either having done being done this week or, or planned for this week. Um, why isn't there more outrage from the world? You know, they, 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 they speak up against Israel for everything, but this practice doesn't seem to get the attention or am I wrong? No, they condemn it. It's an automatic part of the automatic condemnation. But there's such a laundry list of things for which they condemn Israel. <laughs> this is this is not a life-threatening thing. This is a way that we know has an impact, and that the as long as pay to slay, which should be arousing the world's condemnation, the United States has consistently condemned it. But you know they they did then in the end decide to give money to. Palestinian Authority, right. despite the fact that they're diverting $300 million a year to pay to terrorists and their families and give, you know, outrageous uh, payments to those who, who die. And um, it, it does encourage them and it does uh, stimulate uh, the, these attacks. So I think that people are outraged by the, the attacks on civilians and the uh, already get got used to the idea of the demolitions. But the yeah. courts have to approve them. There is a process. It's not just random that people that the army decides are going to uh, just blow up somebody's house. They have to be approved, and it's and it's only when there are known terrorists involved. Israel has its own pay to slay policy. Your family will pay if you decide to slay, um, and that's how they pay. They pay by actually losing their home. Not a bad practice, especially if it deters terrorism. And finally, uh, Malcolm, and I, I don't even know what I'm expecting, how I'm expecting you to react, but there's got to be a message in here somewhere. Uh, last week, a, um, a victim of Sabaro terror attack, we're talking about 22 years ago, passed away. Somebody who was lingering in a coma, and I can only imagine you know, their family suffering all these years, etc. I mean... Uh, not to make too big of a deal of it, because I don't know if there is a philosophical message, but 
what 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 are your thoughts when you hear about this type of um you know this this type of uh, suffering for a family all the, for all these years after this high profile terror attack actually a very good question because you know when we read of these attacks our hearts break people can cry people see the horrific thing that she left the little children that she never saw grow up in any respect and but it also reminds us of the long-term costs of all those who were wounded all of those whose families were broken up uh, or, or, and the, the suffering uh, of wives for a husband, husbands for wives from the terrorism. It's indiscriminate. They go after, they don't care who they kill. They kill little children. They kill adults. Uh, those parents never forget it, never have a minute away from it. It's always with them. And having, you know, dealt a lot with some of the victims of terror and the wonderful work of one family and many other groups that, um, uh, it t- tells you the story of, of, of the burden that Israel faces, the, the costs that are involved. But think, for 22 years, she, was, she had to receive all the medical care and being in the hospital. And regrettably, they could not um, bring her out of the, the coma and, into, and back to her family. But there are thousands of victims of terror in Israel. And you think of the burden on the families and the loved ones, and let alone on the victims and those who lost life, limb, let alone life. In, in these attacks and you know we we turn the page as is human nature you know once it's it's over and the pain dissipates a little bit uh, you, you go on but that should not be the case we have to remember all of the people and when people are so alive blind to criticize israel or to attack israel to also remember all of the costs and how israel has remained a civil society and you know with arabs making up 20 percent of the population or not jews and the you, 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 it would not have been the same thing were it on reverse. So I think it's a very important um, message. I thought about it a great deal after passing about what, you know, everybody knows Sabaro, who was alive at the time. Yeah. We don't think of what happened to all of those families. And I kept in touch with some for a long time. Um, and, you know, especially in these days when we're, uh, we're so distracted, I, I saw one piece of good news. I saw that the, the, um, the what do you call the Soul Doctor movie is coming out, souldoctormovie.com, and going to be in theaters on the 13th all over, celebrating uh, Nina Simone's relationship with Shlomo Karlbach and reminding us of the better days sometimes in, in intergroup relations, Black-Jewish relations. Uh, and, you know, the tens of thousands of people are coming to the, the theaters to watch this. You know, we have to we have to create a context for everything, for all of the challenges are not just arising out of nothing. There's history and and we have to, to learn and remind it and teach the young people about it. Yeah. By the way, um, on that subject of black Jewish relations, it was incredible to see the the final float in the parade Sunday was Brooklyn Black Churches for Israel. And my God, were the people thrilled to be participating in celebrating Israel in New York City. Also, there are a couple of amazing social media uh, handles um, about black Jewish relations uh, that really highlight, you know, some of the commonality and some of the uh, the common celebrations uh, about Israel that the two communities share. So, you know, the troublemakers get all the attention and the people who make the noise and say outrageous things, you know, they'll get all the, uh, uh, all the media hype, but, uh, there are a lot of good people out there. We just got to keep finding them and keep forging relationships with them. 
Exactly. And, and your, your point is really important. And I don't know how many people saw the float, but for them, it was such a wonderful manifestation. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's time that we put the emphasis and the spotlight on the good people instead of always highlighting the, the bad guys. That only them. Let's say it again. That encourages them. 100%. 100%. Very good point. Uh, thank you, Malcolm, of Wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak, please, God, next week. God willing. Be well. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7 a.m. hour, with a weekly update here at JM in the a.m. Friday morning broadcast, candle lighting at 8.06 on this Friday. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach in Israel, Baaloscha in the diaspora. Candle lighting at 8.06. Many synagogues begin earlier than that. Make sure you know when things start where you are around the world. The 806 is specifically, of course, for our home base in New York, New Jersey area. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, not Home Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. The um, got a message earlier in the week. Nahum, can you give a special shout-out and good Shabbos wish to Rabbi Donnie and Jenny Goldstein of Neve Daniel and Gush Etzion, who tune into your show very often and are big fans of yours. Well, thank you, listener Rifki. And the message is, thank you, Rabbi Donnie and, and Jenny. Um, yeah, Rabbi Donnie and Jenny, and of course, Yehuda, for your incredible hospitality. It's been a joy spending the last few weeks with you. I will miss you very much. Good Shabbos, and that does come from Rifki. And um, thank you for utilizing our airwaves to convey a message all the way to our friends, or I should say our listeners and friends in Neve Daniel. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. And um, this time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Be'ha'aloscha. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Be'ha'aloscha contains three positive mitzvos, Pesach Sheni, and two restrictions. Now, let me tell you something. Parshas Baloscha is one of those parshios which has the two extremes to it. On the one hand, you can sense the excitement. Moshe Rabbeinu says to his father-in-law in chapter 10, starting with Pasuk 29, he has a conversation where he says to him, Nos im anachnu. He says to his father-in-law, we are traveling, we are journeying, we are going to the place where Hashem has told us. You can only imagine the excitement that existed in the air. Only, however, in our text to be broken by the two inverted nuns which surround the two psukim of Vahibin Soa and Uvenucho Yomar, describing how when the Oron traveled and when it was restored to its place, and then it is followed by two additional wrongs, transgressions, sins of the Jewish people. So the first thing we need to know is the Gemara in Shabbos 
116a, and this is quoted by Rashi on the Pasuk, Lamed Hei, Bahibin Soaho Aron. Rashi tells us that these two inverted nuns are there to teach us that these two psukim do not belong here. But just as the nun is the numerical value of the number 50, go back 50 paragraphs earlier, and where are you? You're in the second chapter of Bamidbar, and you are in the middle of the Torah describing how the Jewish nation traveled, that you have first the camp of Yehuda, and its accompanying two tribes of Issachar and Zavulan. Then came the camp of Ruvain and the two tribes of Shimon and Gud. And then you're told, understandably, that the Mishkan was in the middle, before the camp of Ephraim and Dun. So in the middle, in chapter 2, verse 17, the Torah says, Venosa, that the sanctuary traveled in the middle. It is there, 50 paragraphs back, that the two psukim should include Vahibin Soho Aron, that the Oron traveled with at that point as well. So the Gemara says, why isn't it there? It's here as a buffer. It's here to prevent three transgressions in a row recorded in the Torah because the Torah itself explains the sum derech was created in existence before the world was created. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not want to place three transgressions in a row, that we should not have an environment of transgression. And therefore, he put Vahibin Soar after the first, before the second two. Now, it's not clear what the first transgression is, so the Ramban steps up and tells us that that is included in the verse 33, of chapter 10, Vayisu Mehar Hashem, they traveled from the mountain of Hashem. Now what's wrong? You're going to say, that's wonderful. We're going to Eretz Yisrael. But the answer is, I want you to compare this word Vayisu, and they traveled with one word which appears immediately after the splitting of the sea, whereby the Torah tells us that Moshe, in order to get the Jewish people to go towards Sinai, Vayasa, chapter 15 in Shmos, Pasuk 22, bring the Chumash to the table, write it down, in Shmos 15:22. In Bamidbar, it is 10:33. The same shoresh, the same route to travel, but listen to the words. When it comes to 
our parsha, Vayisu, simply, and they traveled. Here in Shmos, Vayasa, translated properly, Moshe caused Israel to travel. What does that mean, Moshe caused Israel to travel? The Jewish people did not want to leave the Yamsuf. Rashi says, Hesion Balkorchom. Moshe had to go against their desire. Why? Because the Egyptians bedecked their chariots and horses with gold and silver. And now that the Egyptians had drowned, the Jewish people at the sea were busy gathering the Bizas Hayam, the treasures of the Yam. And the treasures of the Yam were even greater than that which they had taken out of Egypt. And therefore, Moshe kept on saying, we got to go. And they said, no, no, we need to take some more. No, no. So the idea is very clearly, they showed at sign at Yamsuf that they did not want to leave. And here, they leave without a krecht. They had to go. We're going to Israel. It's 100% kosher. But they should have said, Oi, we wish it could stay here to get more mitzvot. Instead, says the Ramban, they run, they travel from Sinai, saying, who knows, if we to stay anymore, he'll give us more mitzvot. So it's the attitude that is so very significant. And that is considered, according to the Ramban, the first transgression. And ouch, I couldn't say this. But the Ramban says, had they not run away from our Sinai, perhaps HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have brought them immediately into the land of Israel. After the two inverted nuns comes the second of the transgressions, which is misoninim, the beginning of chapter 11, and they were looking to complain. And who was this? Rashi tells us the Erev Rav the multitude of other nations that Moshe on his own took when they left Egypt. And basically, the Torah tells us back at Pasuk 33, they traveled from Hashem derech shloshes yomim. They did a journey of three days, and our rabbis tell us that they did this journey in a single day, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu, out of his love for them, was hastening to bring them to Mitzrayim. And unfortunately, the Erev Rav did not reciprocate with that same love for Kodesh Baruch Hu. And therefore, to them, this was nothing less than a big inconvenience. And they were complaining, how can you do this to us? And finally, the third one, complaint that we have, and sin that we have is that this is chapter 11, verse 4, the Asab Suf, namely the rabble, once again, the Erev Rav, Asher Bikirbo, that was among the people, his Avu Ta'ava, they had a craving, and what was the craving for? Mi who is going to give us meat? And then they go on to say, oh my goodness, look what we remember. Remember the fish we ate in Egypt, 
the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. Oh my goodness. And this is what they're coming and they complain to Moshe. Now, watch this. Moshe, as we know from the Gemara Tainis, the Jewish people had three great leaders, and these three great leaders gave the Jewish people three gifts, each of which were the Malominateva, each of which were supernatural. Miriam gave them the Be'er, their source of water. Aaron gave them the Ananekovod, the clouds which protected them from the weather by day and by the animals day and night. And Moshe gave them the mun. Moshe gave them the food which nourished them from heaven. Now watch. What's going on here now is the incredible response of Moshe to the people. And Moshe, starting in verse 11, in chapter 11, <clears throat> Moshe says to Hashem, Why have you done this evil to me? Why have I not found favor in your eyes that you place the burden of this entire people upon me? Did I conceive this entire people? Did I give birth to it? That you say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a suckling child to the land that you swore to his forefathers? Where shall I get meat to give to this entire people when they cry to me, give us meat? And Moshe in despair says, I alone cannot carry this entire nation. It's too heavy for me. And if this is how you deal with me, then kill me now if I have not found favor in your eyes and let me not see my evil. Unbelievable. Rav Salavichik, Sechetzadik Levracha, asked a very basic question. He asked, this is so out of character of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, when the Jewish people commit the sin of the golden calf, Moshe prays for them. And he goes out on a line for them and says, if you don't forgive the people, block me from your Torah. Next week, when the Jewish people will commit the sin of the spies rejecting Eretz Yisrael, Moshe once again prays for them. So how is it that here Moshe throws up his hands in despair and does not pray for the people? Rav Salvechik said very sharply, the first two sins we spoke about, the golden calf and the spies, are sins of a theological nature. Moshe says, that's my job. I'm here to teach them Torah. But Moshe now, when they're complaining not about theology, when they're complaining about the Gashmias, the materialism, that we want meat, we don't want the spiritual food of man, we want meat, this, Moshe says, is too much for me. I wasn't hired for this, says Moshe to Hashem. I was hired to be Moshe Rabbeinu, 
I was not hired to be Moshe, their nursemaid. And in reality, Hashem says to him, not so, Moshe. The job of a Rebbe is to not only be concerned with the spiritual development of the Talmud, of the nation, but their physical needs as well. And therefore, Esfali Shivamish Mizikna Yisrael, this first Sanhedrin which was being gathered of 70 was not exclusively in a judicial capacity, but here more in a social capacity to help Moshe with the material needs of each and every one of the people. But Moshe al-Gabayim, Moshe is the head of the Sanhedrin. Moshe is being taught that that is the role of a Rebbe. And I'm going to just share with you one amazing story brought down by Reb Zilberstein in his Sefer. And it teaches so much as to what and how a Rebbe can accomplish. There was a third grade Rebbe who was invited to one of his Talmidim approximately 18 years later when he became a Chosan. And at his L'chaim, he says, I want to thank my parents, my in-laws to be the Kala, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and my third grade Rebbe. Whoa! Third grade Rebbe, what's going on? He said, in our class, we were all poor boys. There was one boy that came from a very rich family. And on his eighth birthday, he didn't get a Mickey Mouse watch. He got a golden watch. He would bring it to school and play with it like an eight-year-old. And one day at recess, he left the watch on his desk. He came back from recess. Oh, my goodness, he yells out, Rebbe, my watch is missing. The Rebbe had no choice. He lined us up, facing the wall, and said, everybody put your hands to your side. And the Rebbe came, and I knew he'd find it in my pocket. And my heart was beating. I was afraid the whole class would hear my heart beating. The Rebbe took the watch out of my pocket and kept on going to the rest of the boys. Sit down, everybody, said the Rebbe. I have the watch, but I have to tell you that this time, whoever took the watch was not strong enough to overcome the Yetzirah. But I'm sure the next time that the Yetzirah visits him, he will be able to overcome him. And so I was not humiliated. I was not embarrassed. I learned so beautifully. Who knows what would have happened had I been thrown out, had my parents and everybody been involved. I would be a different person today. I want to thank my Rebbe. I want to thank him for his sensitivity. I want to thank him to show how his words were able to make me the very special person that I am. The role of the Rebbe is to be concerned not just with the spiritual growth, but when somebody, one of the Ramim in the Mir Yeshiva, the late Reb Finkel asked, are you going away? He said, Rebbe, I can't afford to take my family away. Immediately he took some money, significant amount, out of his pocket, put it in his hand, and said, you need it. 
and so does your family. That's the role of a Rebbe. And that is Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu, not only in Ruchnius, but in Gashmius as well. Shabbat Shalom to all. Shire Uzaha 
על ידי דוד, משיח צדקך. על ידי דוד, משיח צדקך. J.M. and the A.M. with Sandy Shmueli, Mimkomcha, of course, on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Bahaloscha. Not for everybody, and we'll explain that in a moment. Not that this audience needs an explanation after all the time we've been talking about this topic over the last couple of weeks. Yesterday on our app, I never got to it, so I just wanted to mention it now. Yesterday on our app, someone asked for a happy birthday message to David from Chicago. Happy ninth birthday to David from Chicago. Very dedicated JM name listener. Mazda and see him today on Mesechus Brachos. I'm assuming that see him took place yesterday. I'm sorry it's a day late, uh, but nonetheless, David in Chicago, a happy ninth birthday. Mazal Tov on the see him from all of us here at JM in the AM. Well, for whom is it well, Parshas Baloscha, but in some ways not really Parshas Baloscha. Our good friend Simon Jacob, that's right, chairman of the Jewish Unity Initiative, is here in our studio in Teaneck, New Jersey. He, Simon, one of the people that made, went out of his way to visit me during the challenging transition times and remembers our very small and quaint temporary studio in Teaneck. He is now in the brand-new, full-fledged, state-of-the-art, beautiful New Jersey studio, Simon Jacob. What an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Mazalu Brachan, this beautiful studio. Beautiful. So, for most people listening, or I should say for the people listening in the diaspora, it's Parsha's Baaloscha. Yep. Uh, For you, uh, it is really Parsha's Shlach, because uh, those who live in Israel are one parsha ahead of those who live in the diaspora. Yeah, but I'm here. So but it's Parsha's Baaloscha so for me. <laughs> So at some point you heard a repeat. Was it Nasso last week you heard a repeat? Yeah, I heard Nasso twice. Wow, the longest parsha yeah, you have to hear twice. twice. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. How different is it? People like you and I, for years, you obviously now in a much different situation, which we'll explain, for years would observe Shabbat, be with our families here in the diaspora, and always would be longing for the Holy Land. When's our next trip? how great a memory we had the last time we spent Shabbat in Yerushalayim, etc. How different is it being here when you now have established 
a real presence in Jerusalem as a real true resident of Yerushalayim must be must be much easier spending a Shabbat in diaspora knowing that truly now your real home is 6,000 miles away? That's a really interesting question. I'll tell you why. Because my wife is feels the brunt of it. Um, whenever I come to the States, whenever I leave Israel, for if it's a planned trip, uh, I usually know a few weeks before. Right. And literally for a week, I'm in a funk because I really don't like leaving Jerusalem. I'm so of a trip is hard. It's very hard for me to leave. It's very hard for me to leave. When I get here, I get back into the swing of things. Right. And it, and it's it's easy to be here when you're, you know, it's it's easy to come back to, there's a bunch of conveniences and what have you here that I'm used to. Um, it's funny to get here and have all the Amazon packages arriving already <laughs> on the doorstep. You know, I come in to, you know, work my way through the, through the, uh, the stoop that the Amazon packages are sitting on. <laughs> but uh, everybody seems to know that I'm, uh, I'm here and that I'm, you know, going back soon. But um, Baruch Hashem, it's, it is so special to live in arts. Well, the, 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 I can't tell you how special. I, and I want to talk about that, but I also want to ask you, um, since the majority of your family members are in Israel, does everybody get equal responsibility for those Amazon deliveries, or is one person ordering a lot more than others? Uh, there are a couple who order more than everybody else. <laughs> there are a couple who are taking way too much advantage, you're saying. Yeah, there are. There are. There definitely are. But so you have to fill up these suitcases and bring that all back. Thank God for amazing savings. I just want to tell you, you know, Uncle Phil, I'm, I'm putting in a, a, what you call it for you? A little plug? A plug for you. Um, it's Uncle, you know, amazing savings. If it wasn't for their duffel bags, I don't know what I would do because they're, you know, like... All of a sudden, these packages come, and I've got a suitcase, and now I need a duffel bag, and now I need another duffel bag. Well, thank you, amazing so, saving. Hashem's, yeah. Last time I saw you was, of course, in Jerusalem. We were yeah. celebrating together. Yeah. And, uh, well, actually, I don't know if that's true, because we saw each other at the Ufruf in Yerushalayim and the wedding in Beit Shemesh. That may have right. been actually the last time that we so. had an opportunity to uh, celebrate our families together, which, uh, you know, look, it's a different level when you get an opportunity to celebrate a simcha in Israel. That was so special. It was, real, it was a great a, night. It was... A, Absolutely awesome night, and one of the people who made that night was Lenny Solomon. Oh, he's he got up, and the bride and groom were singing, and it was just awesome. You know, if you want to bring the house down, sing yes. Minion Man at your yeah, wedding. At your you wedding, know? and it was just everybody was dancing and singing. It was just like totally, you know, totally beautiful. And walking this goes now back to the original topic. Walking okay. the streets of Jerusalem on a typical day. Nothing like it. And and frankly, no matter how long we would sit here speaking, it's essentially indescribable. It It is. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, Jews are really tied to the news. So, we you know, we listen to every newscast and everything yeah. that's going on. You don't know how many people have called me from America saying, you know, I know it's not safe anymore in Israel and things are difficult and what have you. And I know it's chutzpah for me to say, you know, because... I'm untouched by this, and I know that there are families that have uh, that have gone through right. terrorist situations. But it's it's beautiful in Jerusalem. It's like there. I don't have the sense of lack of safety or what have you. But the Jews in Israel, 
have the same feeling about here because right. they're listening to the news and, and what they also you. assume and they that go, you can't walk the you streets. Can't, here. How right. can you walk the streets? You know, aren't aren't you feeling like you're going to get attacked any minute? Understood. And I know people get attacked here too, but yeah. it's like you know, stop stop listening to the stupid news. And Look out your window. Enjoy it's just, life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here. It's we do want to give a special. A birthday shout out to brother Michael. Yeah, my brother Michael. Brother Michael it's gets a, a yeah, special a, happy birthday. Balotcha is his parsha. His bar mitzvah. Actually, both of my brothers' bar mitzvah parshas were balotcha. That's cool. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was very special. So, um, happy birthday to yeah, him. Yep. And uh, and enjoy your Shabbat in New Jersey. Yep. Yep. And soon enough, you'll be back in the holy city. I can't wait. <laughs> I absolutely can't wait. So it's, yeah, it's really special. I can't, I can't tell you guys out there um, how special it is to be in Aretz. I know many of you have been there. Uh, most of you haven't, unfortunately. And I just want to tell you that any chance you get, go. Just go. Plan a trip. Yeah, plan a trip and go. It's just beautiful. Because we know if you plan 10 trips, you'll go yeah. at least one. So yeah, keep planning yeah, yeah. trips, everybody. And Simon, I thank you for everything. Your no, friendship no. and Baruch Hashem. Can I put in one more plug for Please. something? Uh, Rav Stefanski's Dafyomi. You're a big uh, fan. Yes, I am a huge <laughs> fan, and he's a, a really. You saw the impact he had here when he was I, here. I, it's unbelievable, but he, but he's he's got twenty some odd thousand followers of Dafyomi, and he's just he's just great to follow. So pleasure. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom to everybody. Thank you so Please much. Well. The one and only Simon Jacob visiting New Jersey studios of the Nahum Siegel Network on a Friday morning. Time to say good job is with Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. It's a very special
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Round the world web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday and certainly an amazing week here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. If you missed our conversation with Rabbi Heber yesterday on the discrepancy of the partios between Israel and diaspora, check out the archive at NahumSegal.com or on the NSN app. A full schedule coming up, including Mark Zamek and the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Kedem presents our Arab Shabbos music mix all day long, of course. There is a lot happening here on the Nachum Siegel Network, including Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami tomorrow night, and of course, Matis and the JM Sunday happening at 7 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday morning. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, coming up next, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, with Elizabeth Mandelbaum and uh, David Lawrence. And the Shlomo Klein of Fleischik's Magazine. It's all coming up next. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Till next time, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.